We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Iron. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And once again, delighted to be joined by my co host here on Road of His Overtime. It is Sean Siegel. Sean, another week through the offseason and drafts are starting to kick off. Scott Fishbowl is kicking off next week. We're drafting very consistently in some of the best ball tournaments. The listener leagues are starting to get up and running again. It feels like it's not going to be too long around the corner to uh, these NFL games are knocking on our doors on, on Sunday afternoons. It is, and it's going to be great. We uh, have a little bit of a downtime in sports right now, but some of my sort of stealth favorite activities obviously have Wimbledon going on. You have the Tour de France has just started up. And to call me the other day, I discovered that my favorite reality show, and basically the only reality show that I've ever watched, is Back Up and Running. Uh, obviously, I won't pronounce it nearly as well as a Spanish speaker, but uh, Reto Cuatro Elementos is often running again the challenge of the four elements. I mean, the greatest show ever, right? So make sure you search that out, find it. Better sports in that than what we're finding on most of the real sports right now. But yeah, if you if you need to get across the gap to the NFL season, watch yourself some cycling. You can watch some Mexican reality athletic show. And uh, I mean, the thing about that, and, and again, not to spend <laughs> too much time on this, but... There are like 60 or 70 hour and a half episodes. So if you are desperate for content and you like sort of obstacle courses with just sort of fun stuff thrown in, then, I mean, you're not going to lack for hours of viewing. But yes, Colin, the season is right around the corner. And that means all formats are really going. And there are a lot of dynasty leagues that are starting to fill too. We have that burst of dynasty right after the NFL draft, that's a great time to do Dynasty. And then as obviously we get into the season here, we're going to have another burst of big Dynasty leagues filling. There are a handful of Rotoviz Trifex leagues over at the FFPC that will be going off here 
you know, within the next few weeks, you can go over there, check out the lobby. You can see the leagues that are closing in on filling. We'll have some more content on that. But today we're going to talk dynasty from a broader perspective, look at sort of what you can do in a variety of leagues and continue on a little bit with the dynasty workshop that I have going. Yeah, so we talk about the basketball workshop on the show. We talk about Sean's dynasty work as well. And the dynasty workshop, for anyone who's new or a veteran player, I think it's always must read. So Sean's piece, two pieces over the past week, but the one that we're talking about today is my wildest dynasty roster ever and five orphan tactics to build a juggernaut in any dynasty league. So we get questions a lot, and we'll have a question later in today's show about various formats, various types of leagues. These are tactics you can employ across any format any dynasty league setup to help set you up for that league and you know when you're reading it sometimes there's certain portions that just really stick out and i just thought that this was something that people would gain value from hearing some people may have heard similar stuff in the past over the the last number of years here on road of his overtime but i i still think that this is very valuable stuff to discuss fully so sean setting it up we're going to leave that article itself. You may dip in and out of it as we talk here, but we're leaving that as a tease for people to check out. That will be linked in today's show notes if people want to jump over to rotaviz.com and check it out straight away for themselves. But the first one, the five tactics we're going to discuss today, don't overpay to fix a problem on your current roster. So this can be when you're in a startup as well, I guess you could even say is don't overpay to try and get that one player when you're in round one and give up all your future assets. But when you take over a team or when you are in a league, maybe you're in a league that's four or five years old, maybe it's two years old, but don't overpay to fix that problem. So when you're looking at that, Sean, I'm going to take the little bit of talking at the start and I'm going to let you explain it better than I ever could. But you're basically saying there, sometimes your roster isn't one pick away and trying to make that move can really sink you into a three or four year rebuild rather than a one year process. Yeah, and there, I think, can be an, a special pull to do that when that last player is a quarterback, right? And so the impetus for this article is actually a league in Brian McDowell's fantastic kitchen sink format where we have Debbie and auction and contract and all of those different things. I encourage you know any listeners who are starting a league to throw some of those elements in it does make it more challenging for the commissioner. It does make it more challenging, but also much more creative in terms of the types of tactics and strategies you can employ for the participants. But again, this is a super flex league. You need to have the QBs. I was in a sort of orphan dispersal draft a couple of years ago and decided to go ahead and spend a very large amount of my cash on Patrick Mahomes. And you can, understand why that would be the case obviously the number two overall right now in dynasty it wouldn't be a surprise if he jumps josh allen again and is the clear number one next year it wouldn't be a surprise if he drops down the number three behind justin herbert something like that but he's going to be in that group and likely will be in that group for the next decade barring some kind of serious injury to his head or to his arm that's the type of player that you can build around for the long term. But once you do that, there are going to be some trade-offs. And I ended up with a team that beyond him was not particularly competitive. And so then you can either try and win with that team or you can take every other player and sort of move out of those guys and build 
a lot more variety there. And so that's one of the things that we're looking at when you have a team is what can you do with those peripheral guys? And so this one is a, a Debbie team. And I got to go through in the articles talking about the, the wildest dynasty team that I've ever built. That format has three Debbie slots per, per participant per year. And so you can add three of these college players to your roster, put them on the taxi squad, but you can use more of your spots than that if you trade for those slots. And so the last couple of years, I've actually traded for 11 and 12. So I have 23 collegiate players and this is a little bit of a plug, too, for Travis May and the great work that he's done. If you want to get a sense of where these guys could go, and now we know there's going to be a lot of movement in between every season, but we have two round rookie drafts up for 2023, 2024, 2025. You can kind of see where those players fit. And 18 of the 23 players right now would be within the top 18 picks in those next three drafts. And so we think a lot in terms of, okay, how can we build up all of these first round picks for the future in a Debbie format? You can do some of those same things with Debbie players. Now, the, the great thing about first round picks is that they have this optionality and they're going to stay in the first round where some of these collegiate players are going to fall out. But there's also, because of that, more of a discount to where as they rise up as well, and you can control a little bit more in some ways, at least you get to choose who those players are. So they could also rise up. So instead of trading for you know the 111, maybe you've actually got the 102 because it's your guy and your guy ends up being higher up there. So that's one of the things that we're thinking through with this. You can go and you get some of those specifics. But as we wrap back around to your point, it's very, very important to build out your team and think about your team in terms of trade value. Any move that you make that diminishes the overall trade value that your roster represents is going to put you in a much worse position as you move along. Your team simply won't be as good. And this trade-off between, well, points now and points in the future and points now and trade value, that's going to work out in your favor as long as you go for the trade value because the trade value is going to turn into points and it's going to turn into points over a longer span of time. One of the interesting things that I've been seeing currently in drafts, I'm in multiple drafts right now in that Rotobiz Triflex League over at the FFPC, is that I do hear from time to time from other managers who are wanting to make trades based on trade calculators that are out there. And number one, that's always tricky. One of the things we talk about a lot is you have to make a trade with the other person in your league, not with a computer or not with a formula. And you're trying to help them accomplish their objectives while they're trying to help you accomplish yours. But the other problem is that the trade calculators are going to give you misinformation in terms of how you can build that team to continue to build up your trade value. Now, sometimes, you know, that'll work to your favor when drafters are selecting players who are not ranked properly. If we're looking at ADP, one of the things that you can go to right now, and we've mentioned a few times on the show, but our rankings are built in tiers and those tiers will give you what we're thinking of in terms of trade value and future picks. And you can use that to see sort of what we see as ascending and descending. That's built off of research that I have done, that Blair Andrews has done, that Dave Cabin has done. You'll see our rankings in there. Obviously we've got a, a nice influence as well from former Rotoviz writers like Patrick Crane, for example, who, uh, you know, I'm having a great time getting to draft right now. It's been one of the real, sort of pleasures of the offseason. He's one of you know the top five, if not the top, you know, two or three dynasty minds in the industry. Now his 
former research at Rotoviz also influences that. And then you have Curtis's rankings up there as well. And I don't think there's really anybody in the industry who has a better sense of how players are going to ascend or decline than he does. That's one of the main things that his rosters are built around, why they're always powerful, right? So you get his rankings in there. You can see kind of that contrast. This idea of not overpaying to fix a spot is so important. And that can work out then in a variety of ways. In this league, I go through in the article and I explain how you can build this future juggernaut and when the waves hit then you're going to have a team that is almost impossible to beat and we say almost impossible to beat that basically means that you're going to finish in first place in the regular season you're going to get a bye and then you're going to have a good chance to win your title but obviously people can upset you now the more starting spots that you have and if you have multiple quarterbacks and all those kinds of things it can increase your chances there's going to be less randomness less luck involved with deeper teams you're going to have all of those extra players that you can fill in i mean one of the teams that i had last season for example through a big chunk of the year jamar chase is one of kind of the last guys and he's in there in the championship round obviously ends up putting up the points that you need to win that title right but you want to be in that position to where the value is constantly ascending but then the other part is that you don't know what's going to happen you want to make the playoffs with these teams you want to make it as many years as possible. And that Jamar Chase team was actually a team where Jimmy Garoppolo and Taylor Heineke were the two quarterbacks, the starter and the super flex. And even some weeks you'd be tempted to say, okay, I'm going to go with a non QB in the super flex because of how deep this roster was. And I'm getting trades all the time to fill the QB position. And it was really a team where I was focusing on 2023, but after the first four or five weeks, it became very clear. That it's going to be difficult to actually keep that team losing and then as the co course of the season goes along it ends up moving into like third or fourth place and then blows teams out through the playoffs and wins now part of that is that you, in the one week you get the higgins score and the other week you get the jamar chase score you've got very deep lineup at running back at wide receiver at tight end not only in a starting lineup but on the bench and so and there's going to be that temptation too when you have the depth on the bench to say okay well let's move it for that quarterback. But again, it still has to be at a fair price and it has to be at a price where you're going to have ascending trade value because you don't know what's going to happen in the next year. You could win this year, which, you know, based on good fortune, I did. But then you also want to win those years that you're actually targeting. And then as we talk about a lot, have that permanent championship window where you more or less always win. Now, again, that's from the perspective of making the semis having a good opportunity because in the same way that sometimes you're going to win when you don't have the best team, sometimes you'll lose when you do. But the way that you win titles is not to add tiny little edges on the teams that are in the championship window. It's to make your championship window as wide as possible. And you were almost about to say it there, you almost segued into the second point perfectly. The key way to do it, Sean, is to create as many pathways to victory as possible. That is the second key point we're going to talk about today this i think and the next point which we'll talk about and we can probably pair them a little bit together is to create as many pathways to victory as possible but also and this is something you talk a lot about on the shows is employ humility-based drafting you know when you're trading as well to try and build that depth and then avoiding overexposure to stars if they get injured or if we miss a player evaluation so we'll often say that we are often wrong we'll also say like you can't just be 100 gung-ho on a certain player because if that doesn't work out, then that their asset across, say, five teams becomes zero. Uh, and that there can have a real effect on your 
your portfolio, I guess we'll say, and that's the same in Dynasty or in Best Ball or in Redraft. They all have that same effect. So I think they're very valid points, Devin. And that's kind of what you were getting at when you were talking about having those pieces like Chase, like Higgins, even if they're on the same roster, and not just trying to go and get that quarterback to keep those pathways to victory open. And you mentioned the humility-based drafting part, which uh, it's sort of funny because as I'm looking at the grid here of players in this league that I've traded in the last 18 months, the one that pops up there at quarterback is Ryan Fitzpatrick. And obviously, if you're drafting Ryan Fitzpatrick, (laughs) you better be humble with it because uh, this is someone who, even in Superflex, right, not an elite asset per se but we were enthusiastic about him last year moved to this washington team that had players like terry mclaurin he was coming off a very good finish there in miami he's someone who had improved as he'd gotten older he'd continued that gunslinger element while cutting down on turnovers and so there was reason to be very enthusiastic he was one of our late round targets we never really got to find out whether or not that would have played out positively because he got hurt right at the very beginning and that element of it you have exposure to with any player but especially when you are building and you don't have enough overall talent it's even more important to not have exposure to those injuries in terms of individual players because then a roster that's already thin gets to be just catastrophically thin to where you just there's nothing you can really do you don't have any tradable pieces and you're kind of sitting there thinking well i mean i'm gonna have some early picks in these drafts but you know how many spots can you realistically replace over the course of three or four years if you have no players around them right so in a super flex league i landed him i was excited about that immediately moved him when i got a good opportunity and that was kind of the first piece of the puzzle that was the first domino that moved down the path of going with Devi as opposed to trying to go with rookies and young pieces within the auction itself there and again as you mentioned that creates as many pathways as possible the 23 collegiate players now all of whom were extremely highly ranked prospects or in just a couple of key cases guys who have exploded onto the scene uh, one of the players i'll be excited to see how he performs this year is sean tucker running back at Syracuse who created a lot of big plays and has elite athleticism. Those are the backs that I like to target. The ones who can really run, can run the daylight, you know, aren't going to be these guys where we're trying to make excuses for them because they averaged four and a half yards per carry, but they thrashed around some and broke a few tackles. These guys have extremely high ceilings, but the main thing is that you've now moved into the situation where you have a lot of different pathways and you can actually be wrong a lot. And that's the key for us in fantasy because we know we're going to be wrong a lot. If you're pursuing a strategy where you have to be right consistently, then you're simply not going to be very good. And that doesn't mean that we don't have player takes because one of the reasons I think that Rotoviz has been so successful in terms of writers and podcasters and owners in you know the ffpc main event in underdog in ffpc best ball leagues is because we try and merge these two elements of having very very strong structural drafting tactics and yet very strong player evaluation knowing the types of players that outperform that give you asymmetrical upside but even within that 
I mean, you have to be humble in terms of, of what you're doing. One of the things about consistently targeting players who have a wide range of outcomes is that sometimes those outcomes are going to come in at the bottom of the range and you're going to look silly because you did have significant exposure to someone who could have gone anywhere from a star to a bench player. They landed on the bench and that was your take. And if you don't have the right mindset in terms of how you pursue that, then you're going to end up with a lot of problems with your build and what you've done trading wise to again, create these ascending types of outcomes. One of the funny things here as I'm sort of looking at this list is a lot of these players I traded and then the players that I got, you retraded. And so again, it's this idea of if there's an opportunity to create and not, it's not even always more value. Sometimes it's simply more options traded Alvin Kamara in this trade actually Kamara and George Kittle, two of the very biggest pieces that I landed in addition to Patrick Mahomes in that original auction, immediately then traded them for Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Mark Andrews and a ton of future rookie and Debbie selections. And, and this is one where you can go back and say, okay, well, obviously I won this trade and that was good fortune. But the funny part of it is, is not just that it was the rookies and Devi, but you can see how easy it is even for stars to decline. I mean, Alvin Kamara this year compared to what's, where he was last year, a big fall. So even though Clyde Edwards-Alaire also busts, the fact that Mark Andrews and George Kittle essentially flip spots, and then you have all of these extra things in addition. So one of the notes here, both in terms of creating as many pathways and employing humility-based drafting, is that in so many different environments, you see that drafters in a two-for-one or a three-for-two or a four-for-two want to get the best player in the deal. There are going to be a lot of things you can do if you take the other side of that. Now, again, you're going to be targeting specific player profiles. And some of those profiles, like with CEH, where it's very wide, I mean, he could have come out and done a little bit more like we saw from Jarrett McKinnon and then be a decent early down runner, score some touchdowns. And then at this point this season, he'd be going in the first round of redraft and people be saying, you know, he he made it, he did it. That's obviously what the Chiefs were kind of betting on when they drafted him in the first place. That hasn't happened. And we're looking at prices along the way where even someone like myself <laughs> and, you know, OT in general, who were not actually on the CEH bandwagon, in fact, were skeptics, you still want to buy some of those lottery tickets or buy some of that option if it comes at the right price and within the context of the things you're doing. And one of the things that you see is even when you miss, you can hit the other part of it. I mean, Mark Andrews hitting and then the value of the rookie and the Debbie means that you come out ahead regardless because as you look into the future, you're going to have the ascending side of that trade, but you can also win in a big way because you can hit on someone like a Mark Andrews and then obviously retraded Mark Andrews because, again, you want to be on that multiple side of things if you're in the building process. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I think the last two, you've kind of touched a little bit on them, but we can pair them together. And one is accumulating as much future trade value as possible. So it's not always a case of just trading to just get a specific guy or guys. It can be a case of trading for them and then moving them on again in future or drafting them and moving them after the draft or the auction, as you mentioned, that specific case. And the other one is, is even with the foundations of your process that we're trying to build here, it's very important to be as flexible as possible. And that also comes into player players that you require and players that you trade away. It's not a case of like, I'm just not trading this player away for any reason at all. If the offer comes in and it's too good to pass up or if things fit for your roster construction, you know, you have to be willing to be flexible to try and go on and win that league. So I think those two kind of pair into a little bit about what you were saying so far, but is there anything else that you want to add in to expand on those? The number one issue that I see when managers take over an orphan or get into the situation where they feel like their window has firmly slammed shut if they drafted a little bit more win now in the startup is they'll get to that point and they'll have still a couple of key young players and they won't be willing to part with those players because they want them to be the foundation of the next team that's good. And they feel like because of the youth of those players, they can get back and those guys can still contribute. So I'm going to move everybody else, but not those players. This creates a couple of problems because number one, those players are the players who will allow you, number one, to create, just as you mentioned, accumulate so much future trade value they're the players who will allow you to create as many pathways as possible but they're also guys where if you hold them at that point you're pushing back your window by a couple of years because it takes so long if you don't build that depth by moving them and then it's just very easy to see the problem which is the thing that we talk about as the key to sort of quickly evaluating any trade or any draft pick when you're on the clock in a startup is if I acquire this player through any means, can I play him for two years, get value and hopefully peak ish value. And one of the things we talk about a lot is you're going to get peak value much earlier for players than you think. So a young player does not necessarily mean that he's out of his peak. Can you play them for two years and then trade them at the 
absolute apex of their trade value before they start to move down. You want to play and then trade. Well, if you're sitting on these young players who are going to be the foundation of your next championship team, or you feel like they can contribute to your next championship team, you're actually holding them through that time period where you wanted to play them. And now granted, they're going to be in your roster, but you're playing them on a team where it's actually incentivized for you to lose. Right. And that's one of the things that in some ways can be unfortunate about Dynasty is that you don't really want to be in the middle. You want to be winning or you want to be at the bottom. So you get the most valuable rookie picks and you get the superstars that are going to quickly impact and turn you around. And so if you're holding stars on your roster for that next window, you're playing them at exactly the wrong times. And then you're going to be hopefully still playing them once your team is is decent again. But it's going to be pushed out and then you're right back into this problem of, okay, now my team is aging and I haven't made the moves to rectify that. I've been holding guys specifically so that I would have this next window, but that window will be short again because as my players move through it, I don't have the depth to trade some of them because I just barely got it built back up. And then those guys I have to trade as they're falling. And so... I don't get trade value back. It's a sort of a consistently declining trade value type of team, even in the context of being bad. So you take these really valuable early picks and you turn them into something that's worth less very soon. You can see the the problem there. And so you have to be willing to move your stars. You have to be willing to move your stars, especially if you're in a rebuild, you have to be willing to move your young pieces then that brings us back around to this idea of flexibility because all drafts are going to be a little bit different. This particular one that I wrote about for the article, you have the Devi element of it and you have the contract element of it, but specifically it's in a dispersal and it's going to be one that can't compete right away, basically, regardless of what you do. Whereas in a startup, you could compete right away. It's been interesting the contrast between the two drafts that I'm in right now one with Pat and one with Matt Jones, where the one, we were lucky enough to get the 103 and then trade for the 110. So now you've got two of the 10 foundational players in Dynasty. And the other one, we got the 111, right? So we're immediately outside the range where you're getting even a single foundational piece, but we trade into the top 10. And then as we move down, it becomes quite obvious that the drafters in this league are going to, leave some opportunities out there. There are a couple of teams that are sort of playing for the future who have traded for the vast majority of the first round picks, but the other sort of nine players outside of us are taking sort of a mild win now approach. And one of the things that you see now in in Dynasty, as opposed to even two or three years ago, is that even the teams who are trying to win now are showing a little bit of skepticism about the oldest players but they're drafting guys more in that 26, 27, 28 range. They're drafting too many running backs. They're drafting too many quarterbacks who are not instant impact players. And those are very small mistakes, right? I wouldn't look at any of those individual picks and say, okay, that was catastrophic or this player doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, these drafters know what they're doing. Generally speaking, they're creating solid teams, but the cumulative effect of that has been to allow a big chunk of the 2022 rookies, first round rookies, to fall to us at good prices. And then so suddenly 
after trading in, getting Kyle Pitts, having Travis Etienne early, and even having CMC early, who's someone that we can do a lot with. He's a very flexible piece because he's the number one or number two overall player in fantasy. You can use him to win. You can use him to trade for even more as he plays. But then we have three or four, and he'll end up being more than this. But all of the other players are either second-year or first-year players. This team is perfectly set up to be solid in the first year. And if everything hits, you could even go for the win with Christian McCaffrey. But one of the fun things about the Triflex is that you have to win the Constellation to get the 101. It's also very well set up to not make the playoffs, but get the 101. So then you have the 101, the 201, the 301. The reason to kind of go through that is, again, not that the specific league or the specific players that we're selecting matter, but you can see how flexibility in terms of how you go after it. The team that Pat and I have, you know, could win the title this year. It has very, very young players, but when you start with a Justin Herbert and a Kyle Pitts and then are able to move that into a Brees Hall and you end up with Christian McCaffrey in that one as well, plus all of these wide receivers you have that flexibility. So you're going to try and create flexibility within every given roster. But then beyond that, you want to have the flexibility to think to yourself, well, what's the quickest way to create the permanent championship window given the situation that I'm in? And I think that, you know, it's valuable to not necessarily set out from the very first pick and think I've got to do it one way. Now, there may be this element where if you want to acquire six or seven future first round picks, you're going to need to have that as a target because you're going to have to take trades that are a little bit unfair to you in order to acquire all that right you're going to have to sell a little bit low on what the value of your actual startup picks are in that situation to get all of those first but flexibility within the drafts and then flexibility with your overall mindset on the drafts and that's something that we want to continue to emphasize not only in dynasty but the other formats one of the reasons that we kind of did the weird wild crazy squirrely super flex draft in our first listener league draft in the ffpc super flex best ball tournament was to again kind of emphasize this element of flexibility and trying to think through other ways to win to make the logic of it work out if you're going to do something a little bit different how can you take the foundational concepts and apply them in a slightly different way, especially if you're in a league where a lot of participants are going to be not even necessarily always following everything you do. I mean, lots of the listeners have their own twist or tweak on our strategy or even have a different strategy, but they know what our sort of tendencies are and they have our board in many cases. And so you're going to want to be flexible with what you do. And it's just such a good mental experiment as well to make sure you understand all of the logic behind what's going on to not just take the roster construction explorer and blindly follow some of the things that show up there if you do that you won't have the full flexibility to take advantage of values and to understand how those values are going to impact your next selection so that you have a dynamic draft as opposed to a somewhat static draft once you're there in the leagues in the draft rooms and on the clock and the question that I mentioned earlier in the show that we are just going to touch on comes in from Aaron and it is going to involve some flexibility and he's talking about 14 team leagues and you know they do pop up the questions do come in from time to time but sometimes dynasty leagues will be 10 team 12 team or 14 team 12 team definitely the more standard format versus 
Hi, Colm. I'm a new Dynasty fantasy football player from the UK and a big, big fan of the Road of His podcast. He has in brackets too, Sean. You may have missed this on social media. I think Ben's been filling you in, but he says, is the Banana Boys official yet? It seems to be gathering some momentum. I've seen a couple of five-star reviews coming in with different Banana Boy numbers as well. So a lot of fun being had there. But he says, it's definitely uh, the most infil, insightful sorry, and actionable content he's come across so far. So thank you for the kind words. But he's wondering the opinion on approaching scarcity in drafts of more than 12 people and scarcity in drafts sean that's kind of what you were touching on there with when we're drafting against rotoviz overtime listeners who kind of know what we want to get in those wide receivers and they make those wide receivers a little bit scarce for us but he's currently in a 14 person dynasty startup where you start one quarterback two running backs three wide receivers two tight ends three flexes and one super flex and we love to see those extra flex spots there uh, nice to see but he says how would you play the qb and tight end positions given the lack of good options when you move that up to the 14 teams and he's just trying to employ the dominate the flex mantra so how are you going after those positions are you increasing the want to get those positions when there is two more teams in the league which then obviously lessens the amount of them available for everyone this format is going to be super cool right because it's gonna be deep, deep rosters on it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, this is like the triflex, except you have to have an extra flex and an extra tight end. And as he mentions, those tight ends don't grow on trees. Although 2022 is is a good year for it. This is one of the things that Pat and I uh, debated a little bit when we did trade out of Kyle Pitts, a, a player we both have ranked extremely highly is that you have players like uh, Pat Fryermuth a little bit later. Much later, you have players like Albert O, Cole Komet, Mike Gasicki. You have uh, some guys that we like to target, such as Noah Fant. If you want to add some veteran presence there, you can go for Gerald Everett. And then very late, we like the rookies in Trey McBride and Greg Dulcich. So this season a little bit easier to do than I think a lot of seasons. And for me, it's tempting to target some of the later tight ends specifically because you have that option and we have questions about the elite tight ends that we haven't necessarily had in some years. You have a couple of them in what may be very low volume passing offenses. You have a couple of them who are much older than you would like. That's specifically relevant to dynasty. So I think those elements come into play. The QB is also an issue, especially when you go to 14, right? You just take that times two. You already have 28. Ideally, you would have three viable quarterbacks there. And I think that one of the things that you're wanting to do in Superflex to not be so heavily loaded up on the top guys that you can't have impact players elsewhere, but you do still have things covered, is that ideally you're going to have one of the big five, the big six there at QB, and then you're going to try and hit. And it can be difficult to thread the needle. It can be more difficult in a 14-team league because you don't necessarily get to pick very often. You can hit by runs that happen in between your picks, and you have no control over that. Obviously, you can try and trade in and out. In some drafts, that works extremely well. In some drafts, the, the other managers are somewhat reluctant. But if you can hit toward the end of a tier, so you pay the least for what is a player who maybe has 
a similar range to the players who went earlier. Again, trying to hit that tier can be difficult within that situation. But then for your third QB to have someone who is even wider in terms of the potential outcomes, Baker Mayfield, a very good target right now. I still think that the non-starting rookies, and that actually appears to include everybody, even Kenny Pickett, but all of those rookie QBs, if you can stash one of them, yeah, you're probably not going to hit, but at least you have that option there and you have an option at a price that works. In this particular league, where you're probably starting two running backs and six wide receivers, creating that depth is important. So you want to hit that one running back early, maybe even hit two if people are sort of undervaluing them. One of the things that I have found to work in the Triflex leagues right now is that if you can go too early and then not take another running back until you know you're in round 14, 15, 16, that's something that works well. But you have to build that wide receiver foundation throughout the core of the draft. So those picks from rounds three to rounds 11, they have to be very, very heavy wide receiver. And they need to be young. We talk about that all the time. But in a 14 person as well, where you have more scarcity across the board and the starting lineups are going to be weaker for everyone. And you're talking about some of those flex position players being very you know, iffy in terms of what they can actually contribute to a starting lineup, you need your players to hold their value so that as you move into future rookie drafts, you're building depth while other people are replacing starters and are really just trying to tread water. So from that perspective, again, at 14 person, even more in 12, you have to exert the extreme discipline to stay young. Yeah. And with it as well, it doesn't say that it's tight end premium tight ends are at a premium but it doesn't say tight end premium but um the other thing there is like if we say there is five to six elite tight ends well across those 14 teams less than half of the teams are going to be able to have that so maybe could lessen you know if you get the the tier below that but you can start like with the tree flexes you can start six wide receivers in this like so sean was saying going heavy after the wide receiver positions could be the position that you're able to gain that advantage over the other spots on the roster but good question there coming in from Aaron. thanks for sending that one along our way the article we talked about in today's show is one of sean's recent pieces up on rotaviz.com it will be linked in today's show notes if you're not already signed up to a rotaviz nfl pass you can save yourself 10 percent as a loyal podcast listener using the code rv radio 2022 at checkout that'll save you 10 percent off a one-year rotaviz subscription and get you access to all of the content and tools up on the site and just sean who are on content and tools i did a underdog draft over on the rotaviz youtube channel this week and uh, the best ball mini a tree on tuesday with Derek brown of fantasy pros and zachary kruger and up on the website sean we should tease us the underdog adp is now available up on the road of his website you can filter it by position you can chart it you can see the risers and fallers and the change in adp is on the page right beside each and every player so you can see how things are playing out so that is up on the website one of the tools available there as well that is going to do it for today's edition of the show we will have our thursday podcast or saturday podcast we may sneak in an additional podcast or two over the next couple of weeks so make sure you're subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed we may have another listener league on the horizon as well if you're interested in playing against me and sean over at the ffpc let me know on twitter at overtime ireland or you can send an email at road of his radio at gmail.com well, that is going to do it for today's episode my name is colin kelly of course my co-host is sean siegel you can check out all sean's work up on rotaviz.com until we're back with another show 
have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>